0: You've probably all seen a scene like this. You've probably been involved in one. There will be a person who has passed away. And the main group of the people who were there at the funeral are gone. It's moved from the auditorium of the church building to the graveside service. And mostly you'll have a tent with the family and a few of the closest friends there. And the, the preacher is trying to find something that will touch the hearts of the people closest to this person and what their life was trying to represent. How many times have you seen that preacher who can find no better words, can come up with, can from his own resources not generate anything better than the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We see those words as being very appropriate. I think they're probably the most famous because of that, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That is the statement that most of us ultimately are trying to grapple with. You see there in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was a way that people who all their lives were afraid to die with christ and his resurrection had an answer for death so that paul could say oh death where is your sting oh grave where is your power it's lost because of the victory of jesus christ over death but that's probably the most famous aspect of the psalm that gets people's attention to it in fact if you were just to ask people who are not religious people who don't know the bible people who hey do you know any part of the bible the non-religious people, oh yeah, but the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not mourn. They know that. We know that. Everybody knows. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not mourn. But what I'd like to do this morning with us is take it from a, from a perspective of a person who actually kept sheep. And there's a little book by a man named Philip Keller that I have gotten so many ideas from. In fact, so many that I can't even separate how I speak on it from the material that he's put out. Because when you read it, you just can't help but see the pictures that he paints. And the title of his little book is A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And as we're dealing with this, I'd I'd like to take it from that aspect of, of a sheep. And you have David, who is the king now, is being inspired by the Holy Spirit. But also, I believe, as the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write this, he's thinking about the time when he was a shepherd. And I don't know about you, and uh, this, this has only happened to me probably in, in probably the last five to, to eight or ten years. Uh, used to, when I thought about things in my past that I thought were difficult and hard or uh, things that I did on a regular basis like used to. I don't, I don't know how many of you have, have hauled square, square bales of hay. Uh, we started doing that when I was a kid and I was probably 13 and I remember my dad would, uh, because he felt like it was good for us, he would hire us out to a, a local <laughs> farmer who was hauling square bales. And I remember at 13 I was a little scrawny kid that did not have all that much muscle and this guy had baled his hay so that the bales were about 90 pounds a piece. And I remember starting with those hay bales and after about the first two, my, my arm's feeling like spaghetti and I was doing everything I could to get them just up barely over the little trailer edge and push them. And I just thought, this is so hard. I hate this. Why am I having to do this? Hated it at the time. Uh, now, the thought of hauling a square bale of hay. Is so exciting to me. In fact, the, the uh, my, I, I guess it was about four or five years ago. My dad said, "Hey, we're hauling some square bells. Do you want to?" I said, "Absolutely, I'm in." <laughs> and they, they were getting paid for it. And I said, I, "You don't even have to pay me for it. I said, I'm just going to go out and toss some square bells of hay because I hadn't done that in so long." The the nostalgia of thinking back and remembering something that you at the time might not have really enjoyed, but it kind of formed who you were and was a part of your upbringing, part of who you are. I think that's what David's doing here in Psalm 23. Thinking about all those times when he was just the shepherd. He wasn't even uh, elite enough in Jesse's family to be called to even be looked at 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 the prospect of being the new king. When he comes to his brothers and they're there at the... Philistine battle and his older brothers are in the army and you see the disdain Mm -hmm. that I think it's Eliab who says to him, what are you doing here? Where have you left those few sheep of our Uh fathers? You're not even important enough to keep a lot of sheep. You just got a, a tiny little herd. And I think David is thinking back to that little herd and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Mm -hmm. Now here's why that's important. I was just reading a book on the first commandment there about having no gods before Jehovah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was interesting to me that the wording there was different than I actually understood it to be. And I always thought that meant don't put anything above God. Have no no other gods before me. Meaning there's not something more important in your life than God. There's not something that you would place in a higher position than God. But the wording is actually don't put anything before my face. Meaning not that you're not putting anything in in front of me, or above me, but you're not putting anything in the same place that I am. Now what I mean by that is, if you think about those uh, Greek and Roman god temples, the pantheons, and there will be Zeus who is at the seat of honor as the head god, but then there will be all of the other gods that are surrounding Zeus, and there'll be Neptune or Poseidon, and Zeus will be the head, but all the other ones kind of work their way around Zeus being the best. What God is saying is I'm not part of a group of other gods that are sitting around with me and I'm just the biggest. What He's saying is I'm the only one in the building. I'm the only God on a throne. There aren't smaller thrones and I just happen to be the highest. You don't put anything in front of my face meaning you don't put anything in the same building as I am. And what David is saying is, Jehovah is my God. Now, why is that important here? Well, because you've got the Philistines that are around the Israelites and that he's been fighting his whole basically kingly career. And the Philistines have a God named Dagon. And you'll remember that that God is part human and part fish. And remember when the ark of the covenant is captured, and they take the ark of that covenant, ark of the covenant, and they put it in the temple of Dagon. And the next morning they wake up, and that fish god is basically prone in front of the ark of the covenant. The fish god's bowing down mm-hmm. to Jehovah. And then they set him back up. And the irony is not lost on the reader that they had to go in and pick him back up because Dagon can't pick himself up. <laughs> and then the next morning. Not only has he now fallen in front of the ark of the covenant Jehovah God but now his hands and his what legs and head are chopped off and all is a torso. There no god stands before Jehovah God. And the basis of David's relationship with his God is that This is not a God like other gods. Mm -hmm. This is not a God in in a pantheon of others. This is the God. And ultimately, what I'm about to say only corresponds, like Brother Owens said in the last lesson, it only corresponds and accrues to you if you can say, in all honesty, The Lord is my shepherd. Now, the next aspect of the shepherd, and I think as David was thinking about this, is uh, you probably know the difference between, uh, well, uh, if you've dealt with any kind of livestock, there are some livestock that the best way to get them anywhere is you walk in front and they follow behind you. (coughs) Uh, some you know the old phrase like herding cats well I mean you don't herd a cat but if you want it to come where you are you walk in the direction that you want it. and you kind of okay a shepherd David is thinking about how he I believe I can't tell you exactly what David's thinking but I think he's He's picturing himself walk in front of that herd of sheep. And you'll remember how Jesus talks about this. And how he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Mm-hmm. Now my dad has had cows for years and years. And I would always make kind of fun of him. for, uh, And I'm not going to do it here in this, uh, this revered assembly of, uh, of how my dad will call. His cows, <laughs> but if, if anybody uh, that you know has had cows, I mean, my dad could, could pull up to the fence in his car. Cows would be spread over a hundred acres of different, you know, property, whatever, and he starts yelling for his cows in his cow yell voice. <laughs> that is, this you, you got to have cows to have it in your repertoire if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and I mean, I'm talking within within minutes. His cows just come to him. And, you know, lots of times the way he does that, he has a bag of feet. And every time he calls them, he puts out some feet, etc. But I'm just thinking of David walking and the sheep following him. And he gives them the call, whatever it is that he gave them. And the sheep just start lining up and following the shepherd. And David in his mind is picturing that that's his relationship to God. When God calls, he follow Now, here's what that means on a practical level. David would lead his sheep into areas that he thought were the most helpful and most productive and healthy for his sheep. And that's what God does. But only if you follow God. Now, you throw that little phrase out like, "Well, are you a follower of God? Yeah, I am. Okay, today when you woke up, did you ask yourself, where does God want me to go? Today when you woke up, did you ask yourself, what does God want me to do? You see, being a sheep of the Lord means you are constantly waking up thinking, I can't do this myself. Sheep don't find the right kind of grass. In fact, I'm going to do some work on that if we have time. Uh, sheep don't take care of themselves. They're not smart enough. I think it's very interesting to us that, uh, that God often likes to refer to us as sheep. And number one, if you've ever dealt with sheep, they're not very intelligent. <laughs> they're, they're mechanism for defense is to start screaming in sheep language and running whichever direction that they first look. Mm -hmm. And... I, I, I don't know if you've seen the the video. Okay, there is a hilarious video of this one sheep that has jumped into this ditch, that has wedged itself in the ditch. If, okay, if you know, you know, you say. I, so they they're working like for twenty minutes on this sheep. They get the sheep out of the ditch. I mean, it had three or four guys working on it. <laughs> Get him out of the ditch. Put him back up on the level place. It's not a wide ditch. I mean, you could you could easily jump over mm-hmm. the ditch. The sheep goes around here for about two seconds. Jump straight up, <laughs> boom, right down the ditch, <laughs> and he, and immediately. Okay. Until you recognize, I don't know what I'm doing, and I cannot direct my own steps. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to find healthy, productive. Meaningful and spiritually powerful ways to live. I have to start my practical everyday <coughs> thinking where does God want me? What is God leading me to do? What am I going to do today because I believe that's the direction that God wants. Uh, I have a friend who works at a college ministry there in North Alabama. Good friend of mine, Josh. He's been doing it for years and years, and he said he'll have college students that come in, and he'll start talking to them about what they're doing. What what do you plan on doing? And they'll say, Well, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this because I'm going to be an engineer. It looks like there are a lot of good job openings in engineering. I, I really love engineering, or another one. So I'm going to be a nurse. This particular school has a really good nursing program. And he will say, Well, why are you planning on doing that And they'll say, Well, because you know the time uh, the vacation days are good the benefits package is great you get lots of money and it's something I love to do whatever so hold on a second you're asking the wrong questions here if you're saying I want to be a nurse because that's the way I believe I can further the Lord's work the best Mm -hmm. great be a nurse Mm -hmm. but if you're saying I want to be a nurse because I like it and I'll make a lot of money you're asking the wrong question okay what he's trying to get them to see is are you asking where does God want me Mm -hmm. or are you saying this is where I want to be and I hope God likes it Mm -hmm. because that's a very different way to approach life and so David says the way I approach life is when I get up in the morning I say God which direction are you going I'm going that way now he then says when I do that when that's the case If I say the Lord's my shepherd and I follow the shepherd where he leads, the next statement is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, he ties these ideas together. I shall not want. He leads me into green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Those two ideas are, I think, David picturing... When he had done a good job of, a, of of being a shepherd, that's what he had acquired and achieved for his sheep. If you take a sheep up into the mountains of Palestine, what you're looking for is good green grass. And I don't know if you have seen a sheep do this. Uh, cows, I, I picture in my mind cows. My dad's always had cows, but sheep do this as well. Uh, sheep are unglets that have no real defenses, and so here's what they do. Here's what they're designed to do. Uh, they're designed to have a mouth and digestive system that sucks up grass like a vacuum cleaner, or like a 16 year old eats pizza, and uh, they don't chew and they don't digest really well. And here it's designed that way because if you find a good area of food and you're a sheep, and you don't know if there is a wolf around or a predator around. Your best thing to be able to do is get as much of that grass into your system as possible. And then later, when you feel safe, you can then pull that grass that you sucked up and start chewing it. It's called chewing the cud. And you can actually digest that because now you're in a place that you feel safe. And so what David is saying is, he has these sheep and they are laying down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, what's the significance of a sheep laying down in a green pasture? Okay, number one, uh, sheep don't lay down in green pastures until they have sucked up as much grass as they can possibly suck up. So they're only laying down in a green pasture when they're completely full. And they're only laying down in the green pasture when they don't feel any threat outside of them at all that can harm their situation. So David's got the picture, and, and I, don't, I don't know if you can see it, I can see it in my, in my mind's eye, of a big, fluffy, you sheep with a black face, I always picture him with black face, <laughs> and she's looking right at you, and her bottom jaw is going like this because that's how they chew their cud they, like, they only chew with a bottle okay. and they're looking like right at you with this look of complete satisfaction like this is where I want to be ok that's what David says you've got with the Lord now hold on just a second though. because this is Psalm 23 what Psalm is right in front of Psalm 23 Psalm 22 my God my God why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? Uh, if you look at David's life, does it look like one of out exterior calm where he just always felt like things were going his way? <laughs> I mean, he's getting attacked by the Philistines on a regular basis. His son takes over his kingdom and ultimately is killed by Joab and breaks David's heart in a number of ways. David has struggles with people in his own kingdom, struggles with people outside of his kingdom. David's life, if, if you and I were to look at David's life and say, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, how peaceful does this look? Okay, exterior doesn't look peaceful at all. But here, I think, is what you and I both know. And the older you get, I think, the more you know it. And I'm starting, I think, to, to start seeing more of it. Tertullian, I think it was. No, it was Justin martyr, I think. Was talking about what the <coughs> Romans were doing to the early Christians and he said they can kill us but they can't harm us and what david is picturing is not a peaceful exterior outside life that looks like he never has struggles with other people what david is picturing is okay in the middle of all this i know where i'm going mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, I'm having trouble with my son and the kingdom. Yes, I'm having trouble with the Philistines. Yeah, I, I know all that. But inside, because the Lord is my shepherd, I am at peace. Uh, as you look at that idea, I, I was thinking about a lady who, a uh, good friend of, of our Good friend of our work family out in uh, at uh, Montgomery at Paulding Express. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you would know her. Some of you might. Her name was Judy Baker. She just recently passed away. A fascinating, wonderful Christian lady, and she was diagnosed with a very aggressive cancer and they gave her some options etc uh, her son works with us Rob Baker and they've been friends of my family for I mean since college so you're looking at like the, the 60s or so okay no not that that old, but, uh, 90 95 96 97 uh, she was dying literally in in a few months and she would go into the doctor and the doctors were just, you didn't even know what to say to her. Like, here are your options, here's what, and, you know, just were kind of scared to approach the subject, you don't have much time, and they were shocked when Judy would say, hey, I understand that, uh, I'm going to die, and I'm, I'm completely at peace with that. Are you? <laughs> and she made a big impact on her, healthcare providers mm-hmm. and the other people in these areas that they were struggling with death and not having a, an answer to what their ultimate eternal state was going to be and in the last few year few months of her life would simply say to people I know I'm dying I'm not scared about that at all I am actually excited about going to be with my lord and I know that you need to be too and is there some way <coughs> to help you do that
1: mm-hmm.
0: Now, what allows a person to know they'll be dead in three months, in six months, but to say, it's not phasing me. I know where I'm going. Oh, there's only one thing that allows a person to do that. The Lord is my shepherd. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what he's saying is, I have an internal peace that passes all understanding that nobody can take from me that it doesn't matter what my outside circumstances are I am where I want to be with the Lord now let's take the converse of that and I think it's very helpful to us if you don't have that peace what does that say about how you are actually living out the "The Lord is my shepherd Uh, you're looking for that every person is looking for that And the only place you get it is with the Lord. And so if you are struggling with that peace, go back to your God and take a very serious look at how you're living, how you're making decisions. And align it so that... Your life is one where you can honestly say, The Lord is my shepherd. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, do I mean that there won't be times of peace, uh, times in our lives where we struggle and we're crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And okay, no, that there, there's going to be that in everybody's life. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you are living incorrectly. Mm-hmm. But I am saying that there's a, a very real aspect of, Hey, do you have that peace that passes understanding that's in your life where you can say, I, I know where I'm going? Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about that. And it's something I'm looking forward to. Now, as we continue, we, it's it's interesting in the song that David then says, Man, things are going perfect for me. I am like a sheep just sitting in the middle of a green pasture. I'm totally satisfied, totally content. And I am completely taken care of. I'm not afraid of anything. But then it says, He restores my soul. Well, hold on just a second. I, mean, I thought you were right in the middle of everything good. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, why, why do you need any type of soul restoration if you are in the middle of, of absolute contentment? And this is where I thought that uh, Philip Keller stuff was very fascinating. Talks about how he, when he was a sheep herder out in, I think it was Australia, might have been New Zealand. Had thousands, thousands of sheep. And... He said there were some that when they would be well fed and especially like if they were, were pregnant, if they were going to have a lamb in the spring or whatever, he said they would get down in, uh, in the most comfortable position that they could find and then they would not be able to get up. <laughs> and he said it was, it was very common as I looked at this particular idea of being cast down or it's called a, a cast sheep where they get out and then they start kicking to try to get up and they end up rolling themselves on their side and then ultimately on their back so that their, their, their feet are literally sticking straight up in the air They are on their back. They are the fattest and most well taken care of sheep that are in the herd. And they find the softest places and they get in the most trouble because they literally can't even get it. And he said he had one sheep. That got cast about every two or
1: three
0: days, <laughs> and he said the way that he would find the sheep on a regular basis, he said he would walk out of his house and look for buzzards circling, and wherever he saw the buzzards circling, he's like, yeah, that's where my cash sheep is. So he would he would drive up there or, or or ride up there, walk up there, depending on how far it was, and he would get that sheep and. In these situations, it, it's kind of humorous, but it can be real dangerous because, of course, you've got the blood draining out of their legs, and so even if they get kicked back over right, now their legs are so numb they can't stand up. You, you know how, like, when your leg goes to sleep and you try to stand up on it and it doesn't really even work right? Well, you can imagine all four of the legs of the sheep. They've got no circulation in them. If it's in the hot sun, lots of times that sun beating down on those cash sheep causes things to start happening where if you don't get them in, in a 15, 16 hours or so, they can literally die there. And so it would get real serious. But he said, you know, he knew which sheep were like this, and so he would be like, oh, I'm missing out. And then he said, and I can just picture this. I can just picture it. He said he would go find out one sheep and he would start he would flip that little sheep over and start massaging her legs cuz you had to kind of get the blood flowing back in and the whole time would be telling her what a sorry sheep she was <laughs> in a really nice kind of, you know what he said in he like you do this every day why do you do this and the whole time he'd be rubbing her legs can't you just stay with the rest of the herd i don't know why you want to and he'd get her back up and he said isn't it fascinating that a shepherd Walks out and asks the question, which of my sheep needs to be restored today? And then he contrasted that to a farmer that was right on the other side of the fence of his and talked about how this farmer was a hired farmer that didn't care one thing about the sheep said he didn't take care of his sheep. This was, I think that somebody had bought a big ranch right next to his and hired somebody that didn't know much about taking care of sheep. He said their fields all the time were the grass wasn't green. Last time it was brown. And those poor sheep looked sickly. And they were looking through the fence over at his sheep and his beautiful things of grass. And then he talked about how there are shepherds that view sheep as something that only are there for them. That you treat sheep as what can I get from the sheep. And he talked about how in Satan's kingdom, Satan doesn't walk out every morning and ask, do my sheep need me today? Satan says, what can I take from people in my kingdom? How much can I drain off? How much can I steal from them? How much pain can I make them go through? How much heartache and suffering and destruction can I bring in their lives and keep them alive still to bring more pain and destruction on me? When you look at the story of Job and God allow Satan to do what Satan wants to do with people... You see that the only thing that restrains Satan from doing horrible, terrible things to us is God. God's presence and power. And how he won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able. And ask yourself the question, do you want to be in the herd of a shepherd that takes and destroys? Or do you want to be in the herd of a shepherd that looks out every morning and says, which of my sheep can I restore?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the shepherd we've got. Mm-hmm. If you're in the fold of Christ. Mm-hmm. But if not, there, there's only two shepherds. Mm-hmm. You're either in Satan's herd or you're in Christ. Mm-hmm. And there, there aren't any third options. Yeah. And so, uh, which one are you in? Well, uh, also, as... Philip Keller is talking about this he just talks about how sometimes when we are the most (coughs) taken care of we feel the most empty because we've started putting our, our affections, we've started putting our heart, our thoughts on all the stuff that we have and all the nice things that God's given us but instead of thanking the shepherd we start thinking about finding the most comfortable places And when we start finding those most comfortable places, we don't want to get out of them lots of time. And then as we kind of burrow down into those really nice, comfortable places, we get so far down in those because God's given us so much that we lose track of what we're really doing and we can't even get ourselves up. And in the middle of having everything, we've got nothing. And that's when Jesus comes in and says, hey, let me remind you of what we're doing here. Let me restore you. The shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes and finds that one that is in a ditch or is cast down and rubs life back into that sheep and says, "Let's get back up and remember what we're doing here." You know, I think that to me is is one of the most powerful pictures of hey, we've got it in the United States. I mean, you compare what we got to what a lot of other people have and, and we are living in the lap of luxury.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And because of that, sometimes we put uh, Little League Baseball in front of worship. And because of that, sometimes we put what we're saving for our retirement and putting in our IRA before what work needs to be done in the Lord's kingdom financially. Mm -hmm. And because of that, sometimes we put uh, buying a new car in front of whatever it is that we we, we sometimes miss our focus. And the Lord tries to help us get that focus back. Mm -hmm. So can you say, the Lord's my shepherd? If you can, you're sitting in a beautiful green pasture, totally satisfied, not because of the outside circumstances, but because of that peace that passes understanding. But sometimes even in the kingdom, in the herd of Jesus Christ, you have times when you are cast down because of something that's going on. And Jesus Christ comes and he revives you. Your shepherd comes and brings you back to life. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, this particular passage in Keller's book is really, really neat. Because he says, here's the thing about a sheep. Sheep are creatures of habit. And if they like something, they go back to it all the time. Uh, let me, you know, when I was a kid, I think from about, now I'm to say fourth grade to about that eighth grade. I ate a peanut, I ate two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in my lunch every day. <laughs> I saw a meme yesterday that said, do you think jellyfish are sad that there's not a peanut butter fish? Well, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if they are or not. But two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day. And I just went back to peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day. And I loved them. Uh, whole wheat bread, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, whole wheat bread. Uh, more peanut butter than jelly. Uh, about my eighth grade year, I opened up my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and looked at them and thought I cannot eat another peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> ever and it, would, it just it clicked that day and I just went home and said mom never fix me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich again I can, I can never do it again back. now I'm back to them but uh, here's the thing if you let a sheep pick what it wants to do it's going to go back to the exact same field and ironically what else it does is when the grass runs out of that field It's going to eat the roots of the grass. And it's going to, after it eats the roots, dig down further and totally destroy everything about that field so that grass doesn't grow in that field for years to come. And a good shepherd knows that. And so a good shepherd takes the sheep and leads them to a field of grass that's good and lets them stay there for a week or maybe week and a half and then leads them to another one and another one and another one and brings them back around and you leave a sheep to itself okay. and that sheep's going to ruin everything that it's a part of. Okay. But you direct a sheep in the right places and that sheep is going to produce great wool that's going to be very helpful that sheep is going to be happy and content. That's when you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, it's right at the end, I think 24. Let me find it for you. You can turn there if you want to. Deuteronomy chapter 6, right in 24. Here's what it says And the Lord commanded us to observe these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Why has God ever made a single rule for His sheep? Ever. For your good. He just wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for me. And it says He leads us in the paths of righteousness. Guess what? The very best thing that you can ever do in your life for yourself is exactly what God tells you to do. Mm -hmm. And when you look at His rules that are being flaunted and jettisoned and tossed out of even any type of public discussion and you see people saying, no, this is how I want to live and it's nothing like what God says and no, this is how I want to teach my kids to live and it's nothing like God says, they are literally ruining their own lives. Mm -hmm. And if you mark it down, any time in your life that you did something that brought pain and suffering because of what you did, it was something that veered from God's instructions for your life. Because God wants the very best for you. Mm -hmm. And so here's the picture. David is saying, okay, I take my sheep around and these sheep have grass all the time and they're taken care of all the time because I don't let them do their own thing they don't know what they're doing I know what they need to do and when, I, when they follow me to do what I tell them they're happy and that's what he's saying right there he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake right, and then you got this next verse which is I think what, what really we're all even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil why because you are with me i, I don't know uh, if you've ever had a pet that was scared of storms right now i've got i've got a little pet that's scared to death of storms uh it's a little little cockapoo weighs about 20 pounds comes up in about the middle of my uh, shin her name is uh June Carter Cashbutt is the name of this particular <laughs> animal. We call her Juniper, actually, but anyway, but Junie for short. Uh, when it's storming outside, she does not know what to do. She doesn't know where it's coming from. She has no idea what to do. Doesn't know where to go. I mean, normally her her normal mode of operation, her normal life, is to lay on the on the. Uh, right in fr- on the mat in front of my door as I sit at my desk and do work. I've worked from home. I've been with Apology Express now for 23 years. I get to I'm blessed to work at my house. And she lays right there and will sleep. I didn't even know dogs could sleep this long. But like literally will sleep for for 10 hours a day. She doesn't even move. Although every now and then she snores. Uh, when a storm is coming, yeah, she she's, she's all over the place. And here's what she wants to do. She runs around for a little while and then thinks, okay, I've only got one solution. And her only real solution to a storm is to sit on my foot (laughs) as close as she can get to me. And that's what she does. And there's no getting her off. There's no really much moving her. She is going to be leaning up and sitting on my leg. I gotta stand up. I, my computer is. I stand up and do my. She sits on my leg and leans on my leg. And it's storming, and that's where she stays. <laughs> okay. What what's, what's she doing? She wants to be beside the entity that she thinks can protect her. Well, that's what David is saying here. I'm walking through a valley, and it's not lit correctly. It's the sun has gone down over the side of the hill. We're going into something dark. That means I can't see. You can imagine a herd of sheep that are very jittery when they don't know what's going to pop out from a rock. Maybe a mountain lion, maybe a bear. That's the kind of stuff David is dealing with that can eat his sheep. And... What are they wanting to do? Circle around the shepherd and be as close to him as possible because they know that shepherd will protect them. What do we need to do when we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death? I mean, maybe we're talking about seriously the end of your life. But maybe we're talking about the hardest thing you've ever been through a struggle that you didn't even imagine could be in your life. what's going on with your child, maybe health-wise, maybe emotionally. What's going on between you and your husband, you and your wife, health-wise, maybe emotionally. What's happening with a person at work that is literally trying to sabotage your life. And you, you never even thought this kind of thing was possible. Where do you go? Well, what's Being said here is that the sheep of God move as close to Him as possible in those situations because they know that's the one who can help them. Uh, Do you do that? You know, I find it so sad that uh, all the, you know, in the community that I deal with the most, probably the unbelieving, skeptical community, they take struggles and and pain and suffering in their life, and they use it as a wedge to separate them from the only being that cares enough for them to get them through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they they rip the meaning out of the suffering they go through, mm-hmm. and so they suffer meaninglessly and they never use it for the the goal that any suffering is allowed to be useful. And that's to get you closer to God. And I think what David's saying here is, don't let. The valleys that you go through drive a wedge between you and the shepherd who is the only one who can really get you through it. Mm -hmm. You make sure you get as close to him as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, what can you say ultimately at the end? As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because God is with you. And then, of course, we'll get to the very last few verses. Because I'm not going to have time to get all the way through it. But the last few verses. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm-hmm. One of these days, you don't have to walk through those valleys anymore. Mm-hmm. One of these days, you don't even have to worry about your, your what grass that you're trying to get. You don't have to worry about any of the stuff. Mm-hmm. You get to sit comfortably at the feet of God and know that the troubles are over. And that's what David is looking for. And I think that's what we're all looking for. And appreciate you being here.